In this episode of Investors and Operators, I sit down with Taryn Giselle. Taryn, I will not butcher your background, but can you please give the audience here a sense of your background and what you have focused on for a few years now? So my background would be best described as a little bit of an accident as it was for a lot of endurance athletes. Uh, I was a really unhealthy 20, 25 year old. I drank a lot. Um, basically anything short of hard drugs. If you can think about it, I did it. And it wasn't very fulfilling to live that life of partying on the weekend and waking up hungover and, I was just getting into finance, having graduated from university with my business degree, and I never felt challenged or fulfilled or excited by life. I was just starting to get into that mode of thinking, like, is this what being an adult is? And then, fortunately, I got hurt working out, um, trying to be a bodybuilder and lifting really heavy weights. I tore some muscles in my shoulders, and I couldn't lift any weights. So to stay active, I started walking on a treadmill one day and then that got boring. So I would walk on a treadmill one day and then mix that up with biking on a stationary bike the next day. And then eventually swimming came in and then I realized, Hey, I could probably do a triathlon and I did it. And it was a 43 minute try a try was still to this day, the hardest race I've ever done. And I was instantly hooked, like all of those feelings that I didn't get from business or school or curling, where I was a competitive curler for a lot of years, like all of those things that I never felt excited by, like that, that really primal feeling of like walking up to a start line and not knowing if I was going to be able to finish the race. All of a sudden I got that from endurance sports. Those butterflies came back and I was hooked instantly. And over the past 12 years, since that time, I started a triathlon YouTube channel, a triathlon podcast, which are a couple of the biggest, uh, biggest channels in endurance sports uh, in the world, published a few books. And recently over the last few years, the big focus has been an app where we're trying to make endurance training accessible to millions of people around the world by giving them the ability to train for those races and have those butterflies that I got to experience, which really changed my life. So that's been uh, the last 12 years. For the audience that might be less familiar with your kind of uh, presence online, maybe to kind of give some stats here, I think you have you know, almost 150,000 subscribers on YouTube. And in the endurance world, that's, you know, huge. That's number two in the entire endurance world. And I think on Instagram, you know, we're 50,000 followers. And so, you know, I think it's really interesting just the following that you have built up by constantly producing content for that specific community. And so, I mean, I found it enormously helpful when I was going through my Ironman training on everything from nutrition to how to plan workouts. And so first, thank you. It was incredibly <laughs> helpful. Um, but I'm curious to hear because so much of your exposure to athletes has really been, you know, within my demo of, you know, 37 years old, working, family. How do we get, you know, people who are call it 35 to 45 or 35 to 55, how do we get them active in endurance sports and for the long term? 
and correct me if I'm wrong on your demo here, but what, what have you found it, are some of the keys to sustainable endurance, not just for a year or two, but what have you found for the people who are actually able to do that for five years and 10 years plus and stay motivated and stay healthy? That's a really interesting topic. And I think it's the entire reason that we were able to grow. When I came around, most of the content producers, be it book publishers or magazines at the time, were basically taking high-level physiology or high-level training, what professionals did, and saying, here's what they do. Here's what all of you general weekend warriors who really just want to finish the race and feel those butterflies and feel excited should do. And it just didn't make sense. And I remember being that person where after two years of deciding I was going to do endurance sports, I was at a master's swim program, still hadn't really ever got comfortable swimming. And the coach on deck was saying, well, Taryn, you need to work on your high elbow catch so you can grab more force on the water and really press back forcefully. And I'm standing there going, asshole, I can't breathe here. Like, how am I supposed to get this high elbow catch when I can't breathe? And we have always come at it from the lens of not what is the perfect thing that people should be doing, but from the lens of what are they struggling with at the moment? And for most people, that demo that you mentioned, like 30 to 50 years old, that's our exact person that we try to help. They're not worried about a high elbow catch or what their VO2 max is. People like you and me, when we're starting, we just need to develop basic proficiency. So in the water, we need to learn how to just breathe, not freak out, not sink. On the bike, we have to learn how to bike for a long period of time without our legs aching. On the run, we have to learn how to run smoothly without being clumsy and getting sore and getting injured. And that's a completely different task to figure out than the VO2 max stuff, the lactate testing stuff, all the sexy stuff that was written about for decades that wasn't helping anyone. So that's what we created content for. It was just helping people with where they're at. And I think that's why we took off because there are millions more people that are dealing with those basics of just basic challenges. How do I get up to a start line feeling confident where there's a small, small, tiny percentage of the people dealing with those really sophisticated issues. So we've always tried yeah. to bridge that gap of understanding the science, but how do we apply it to the general person? All right. So two questions. One is the start line. And after I finished my uh, first triathlon last November, I asked, obviously asked a bunch of friends, like, do you want to do it? Let's do this together. Let's do a marathon together. And, you know, I, I was wondering like how, you know, I've, I found so much fulfillment in doing this individually and now with my wife. And then this weekend, we have others join us for the Fort Lauderdale Marathon in Florida. And I was wondering, like, how can we make this more approachable to a broader audience? And, you know, how can I change my messaging with my friends to encourage them to get into it? Is it Hey, sign up for a 5k or is it atomic habits? Like do one, 
do 10 yards outside, then come back in. All right, that's day one. Or how, how have you found people, uh, you know, the best way to really get people into the sport? And then I'm going to, then the follow-up question is uh, around once we're in the race, uh, how not to quit? <laughs> well, I've got a, a little bit of a, a bone to pick with the industry thinking that the best way to get people into a sport is by making it so simple that they can't say no, because I don't find that very exciting. If somebody says to you, Hey, I'm going to put you into a 2k race and it's going to change your life. You're going to go, yeah, I don't know. Like, is that exciting to me? I'm pretty sure I could run a 2k. I'm not really going to post a picture on my Facebook or my Instagram about a 2k race. I do think that we need goals that are a little scary because those scary goals are the ones that will change your life because they're really fulfilling. They change your perception of what you're capable of. They motivate you every single day to get out and do the work. So I do think that having a bit of a scary goal is important. Even at the far end of it, if you do become really successful in endurance sports, still have a scary goal, something that if you enter it today and had to do it tomorrow, you'd have a 50-50 shot of actually being able to complete that goal. I think that's a good barometer because that's what's going to get you off the couch. And then once you have that motivation, the scary goal and the framework of all right, I have to prepare for something, something that is going to be very important for my body, my mind, my heart. Then it's having a proper training plan. And I think that so much of the industry is built around suffering, that it's intimidating to people, that you think that every single day you're going to be out there being David Goggins. Yeah. And first thing, that's not healthy for people. Yeah. Second thing, it's intimidating and keeps them out of the sport. Third thing is it might get you broken before you're even at the start line. Mm. So if you have that scary goal, don't overdo it. Start training really, really easily. In a lot of cases, we recommend when people just start training, if it's a running race or even a triathlon, you're going for a lot of hikes, just yeah. teaching your body how to pump blood into your muscles for a long period of time and stay upright and move laterally. Because most people are going from sitting at a desk for eight hours a day to then lying down at night on the couch. You can't turn into David Goggins overnight. Yeah. You've got to just do the basics of learning how to stay upright and relearning how to walk and then run. And it doesn't really sound exciting, but when you get to that race day, I guarantee it's going to be exciting and your body's going to thank you for it because you're not destroyed and you feel confident. So let's talk about race day, but specifically some of the mental strategies or mental techniques that you have used of how to push through when it gets hard and kind of that specific moment, not necessarily the mental part of planning nutrition. And what have you found that has worked for you when you kind of really are at the edge of your limits and how you push through? I don't know if I'm the right person to, to ask about that. Cause I've never found, I've never felt like in a race, I was really digging to the depths of my soul more than anything. I feel that the hard work and the mental struggle and the pushing is done in training hmm. and the race is just a victory lap. 
that if you have done the training well, you should be able to walk up to the race and know exactly how the race should go. In my first few years, I wasn't that guy. I trained very haphazardly, like most people do, didn't have a plan, didn't really know paces or effort levels or heart rates. And I'd show up to a race and I would have a range of like 20%, give or take, for the finish time that I was going to have. And I had no idea how race day was going to go. By the end of the my endurance racing career, I could be within about five minutes in an Ironman of my guess. And then it was just a matter of knowing that the race was going to hurt a lot. And when it hurts, you've got a lot of pain that you went through in the training leading up to it to know this is a good hurt. This is the expected hurt. This is what I train for. This is what I've experienced. I know I can get through this because I know what I did and what I'm doing right now is not that different than that. And then it becomes kind of just a mind game of how do you take yourself out of focusing on the hurt and focusing on the voices in your head saying, stop, stop, stop. And the most basic thing that I used to do was count. I have done a 27 and a 37 kilometer open water marathon swim. I must have counted to 10 in yeah. both of those with every single stroke 5,000 times. <laughs> well, that reminds now. me of on the swim park portion of Ironman Florida in, in November. Um, I got through the first lap around the pier. And first, my mom's basically started crying. She's like, I've never seen my son this bad. And my wife is like, yep. <laughs> but then on the second lap, I told myself, just put your head down, count five or 10 strokes, then look up and yep. just put the head down and get back to it. But it's really interesting. I didn't expect you to have that answer to how to push through because that reminds me of that race where I got, I got through you know the 15 hour race and I was like, I don't, I feel guilty, but I, I don't actually feel exhausted. And then, mm. and then what, what it, I felt more exhausted during my marathons before and then I had to remind myself, like, you should feel good because that means that you actually trained and that your body was ready. <clears throat> and, but to your point, it's making me also think that, you know, it, it's, it's training within, it's, it's competing within the threshold or at threshold. And it, 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 it's, um, yes, yeah, kind of get me more excited for this a uh, couple of days from now for marathon and Fort Lauderdale, like, okay, I could do sub four. I can get this done. But that, you know, it shouldn't be that pain cave in the depths of the soul. I'm like, oh my God, this is not going to happen. Like that's what happened my first marathon when I had zero preparation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that's when you come up <clears throat> to a race that you're unprepared for, that it's going to be a hellish yep. day. Yep. Um, and some people have hellish days. And I can tell you that I've talked to world champions who set all-time course records in the world championship. And they said that during the run, they felt like their eyes were bleeding, but it's an appropriate and expected pain. It's not, I am limping across the finish line, yeah. having soiled myself for the past two hours because it's not hard. <laughs> Hopefully that will not happen. <laughs> that does happen. And it's part of the deal for some people, but it doesn't have to happen if you do it properly. Well, let's talk about training and I, I, I want to talk about the app that you've developed because I think it's really interesting in terms of the timing of where 
the endurance community is. Um, you know, I'm paying hundreds per month for personal coaching. Now I've personally gotten a lot out of this. Mm-hmm. I needed because of my schedule, I needed someone to take the thinking out of it for me. Like here's here's your here's what you're doing this week, and I needed that feedback from a nutrition perspective also. Um, just because our our business, our family, our nonprofit, there's I found when I got personal coaching, it allowed me to get better and just to execute as opposed to think. So I'm curious kind of where your app kind of came into the market, who it's for, maybe who it's not for, and just the experience that you want people to have. Because I think it's a super interesting value proposition to the whole endurance community. So, you know, can you give us a bit of a background on the the motive method app mm-hmm. and yeah just what people have experienced so currently in the endurance sports world whether it's a cycling race a triathlon a marathon ultra trail run whatever it might be there's really just there's largely two options there are template training plans on one end that maybe they cost 75 bucks that's what my wife is doing right now yeah and training and they they get people something, but typically the, the issue that people have with them is that they're not customized. They aren't relevant to your fitness. They don't change as you progress and they give you something, but people tend to know that something is not going to be great. On the other end is the one-on-one coach, which is $200 a month up to $1,500 a month. And this is somebody who is much more customized, much more individual. The unfortunate thing is that there's only about 20 to 30% of people who walk up to a start line having used a one-on-one coach. There's nothing that is in between that is taking the decisions that a one-on-one coach is doing every single day and giving that to you in a way that is much closer to the price of the one-on-one app. So what we've created is an app that currently it's priced at $57 a month, but our target is to bring it down to $14 to $20 a month, depending on whether people pay annually or by the month, and get them coaching that is as good as a one-on-one coach while being less expensive than doing it yourself. So our, our app, what it actually does is people just enter their race dates that they've got, how much they want to train because some people are going to want to train like a total beginner and just have the minimum amount of training and then build their way up. And then other people are going to want to go for the podium. So you just enter in your race dates and then roughly your goals and how much you want to train and what's appropriate for your life. And all of the strength training, mobility training, swim training, bike training, run training, whatever it is that's going to get you to your races is all just delivered to you. All you have to do is do that thing that you talked about, just show up every single day. All the thinking about what should I do? What shouldn't I do is done for you. And all of the the things that make a one-on-one coach good, it's really just a bunch of decision rules that we can automate. And we've automated a lot of it. And the goal is to get that level of excellent training to the masses because not a lot of people can afford that $200 a month. Um, in our experience, but 80% of people starting an endurance sport adventure can afford that. And 
it's such a, an impactful thing into people's lives that I think it's important that a business does exist that makes it easy to walk up to a start line and feel confident. You're taking a step back and looking at the 11, 12 years that you've been doing this. Why do you do it? Why are you involved in this particular sport and what keeps you going, you know, within this particular industry? Endurance sports changed my life. It, it turned me from a unfulfilled, unmotivated, unhealthy um, finance person uh, who was drinking a lot, eating badly, and very aimless in life and not very confident in my abilities as a person into somebody that felt like I could accomplish anything physically, that I could learn how to do anything, be it business-wise or athletically, that I could take on challenges like open water marathon swims or Ironmans or trying to qualify for a world championship or starting a business. It helped me become a fulfilled person. And I want to give that feeling to other people. There are very, very few things in this world that can change a person's life the same way that endurance sports can. There, I mean, how we got hooked up was on LinkedIn and I was literally searching for people who had triathlete in their bio. You don't see people that have golfer in their bio or casual everyday exercise enthusiast in their bio. CrossFit is kind of similar, but not even nearly as, as, as impactful as triathlon and ultra running and trail running is. It becomes people's identity because it changes who they are. And I want to help more people have that experience. And it's, it's incredible because you see the tangible impact that all the hours, days, weeks, and years that you've put into producing content, you see that it changes lives. Hmm. And I mean, just speaking from my personal experience, like the, that content got me through a lot of the 11 months of training. And, you know, so thank you for caring about that specific community and, and being a leader in that community, it, it, it really impacts people. Um, is there any request that you have of this audience besides sign up for the app and go check it out? Um, oh, not, not even that. The big request that I would have is not so much a request, but a thing to ponder is, is this. It's, are you pursuing anything that scares you a little bit, whether it's in business or fitness or races or whatever it might be, that little bit of fear, I think is a tremendous, tremendous thing. That's what makes things worth doing and makes things interesting. And if you've got that, a lot of the other things end up sorting themselves out because if you've got that little bit of fear, it forces you to be motivated and have structure every day and think through how do you do things better? I think it's when people start going into autopilot of just accepting what happens is what's going to happen to them in their life. And they stop taking control of their life. The fear and that little bit of feeling of being out of control, I think is actually what gives people control. 
Well, that is a fantastic message to conclude on. And I hope that we will be having an episode two in the not so distant future. But I appreciate just all of the, like truly the time and the commitment that you've had. And it, it does have an impact on people's lives. So thanks so much for doing this. Well, thanks. Thanks for watching. And thank, thanks for challenging yourself. More to come. <laughs> <laughs> thanks.